This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our March 5th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And obviously, the coronavirus threat is still out there and still in the minds of the market and traders. And uh, we had a pretty volatile day, just like we had a volatile day yesterday. And yes, yesterday was a volatile day. It was a big volatility cuts both ways. And all this means is that uncertainty is very high and likely to continue. Now, over the past month or so, we've had a great deal of volatility, and you're probably feeling that volatility within your portfolio, within your strategy, and the big question is, is that strategy right for you in this market? And long term, right? Because guess what? While this is somewhat unusual in its consistent level of fluctuation, the current drop from the highs is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And in reality, this is closer to a normal market than we've seen in a decade plus, right? Since the financial crisis, since Central banks have become such an important part of keeping liquidity loose and keeping markets calm, right? You haven't really seen this level of volatility, very rarely. And the problem here is that the consistent lack of volatility for so long makes bouts like this not only feel worse, but I think... It also makes the structure of the market more susceptible to large sell-offs as well, right? Because there's a lot more complacency, a lot more strategies designed for a low volatility environment. So the big question is, is your strategy now built for a volatile market, an up and down market? And how does that jive with your particular goals and your risk tolerance? That's something you should be thinking about in the market today. And hopefully we can be a source of guidance, a source of information that will allow you to make the proper adjustments and build the knowledge necessary to navigate markets like this because they are not rare may seem rare to you, but they're not. So you really need to be smart about how you allocate in this market and going forward. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me in this hour. And through the Invest Talk radio program and podcast, I can help you become a better investor. That's our goal here each and every weekday. And one way Steve and I are able to do this is by implementing our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We're different from other investment advisors because we are dedicated to unbiased guidance. We're not just following the crowd, right? We're not CNBC. We're not the Bloomberg channel. 
we are dedicated to having our own opinions. Sometimes that jives with the overall consensus, and oftentimes it does not. Our goal is to distill the information down to something that is simple and actionable for you. Now, it's never going to be completely simple. This is not checkers, right? This is chess. And we're going to try to help you create strategies that help you make winning chess moves, right? So now that I've set things up, I'm here and ready to answer your investing and finance questions. Our anytime listener line is open and I'm taking your calls live at 888 chart Now let me mention San Jose, California. I'll be traveling up there on the 20th of this month to meet with registered listeners who understand the value of getting one-on-one, -on -one, no cost, no obligation portfolio reviews done by myself. And so if you want to sit down with me for one of these in our San Jose office on March 20th, you can register now at investtalk.com. I have two slots left. That's it. Two slots left. So if you want to get on my calendar, you need to go over to investtalk.com and click on portfolio view and fill it out and we will get back to you. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that five questions to ask before you refinance your mortgage. Clearly, rates are dropping and many are thinking about refinancing. But making the wrong choices can significantly reduce your potential savings. So we're going to talk about that. Also, Fed decision. We just lowered rates on Tuesday, 50 basis points. And it looks like they're going to do that again coming up here on the 18th. That's less than two weeks from now. And there's decent odds of it happening again in April. What does this mean? It means that we're likely headed down to 0% interest rates on the Fed funds rate eventually, probably by the end of the summer, but we'll see. But we're going to talk about why that's likely. Also, brands. What brands do millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers like? Where do these brands fit in their consensus brain, right? And how does that affect these companies long-term? So we're going to touch on that as well. And whatever else is on your mind. I know we have a lot of callers. We are getting, this show is really taking off. It's pretty incredible. And I thank you all for it. We're very likely to hit over 600,000 downloads this month based on our pace. Uh, and it's pretty incredible. So thank you for all of your support and all of your calls. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to head over to a caller named Carl in Ohio. He wants to talk about his 401k. Hi, Justin, a uh, long-time listener of the show. I absolutely love it. Um, I have a question for some of us with student loans that don't have a lot of extra money to throw into the market during this downturn. Would you recommend, mm -hmm. uh, in a way, adding a lot more contribution in times like this, or should you try to always keep it steady and go with a consistent percent each month? Well, the first question, if you're 401k, is are you contributing the full amount to get the full match? Yeah, so I'm contributing what the employer is matching, um, but I'm thinking in times like mm -hmm. this, if I can bump it up to, you know, 20 or 25 percent rather than the normal 15, and then cut back in the future when stocks are higher again, is that a good strategy? 
I would probably say yes, uh, mainly because I don't know how much student loan debt you have or anything like that or what rate it is. I guess that's a good question. What rate are you paying your student loans at? Uh, it's very low, about 4%, and my employer matches the first um, 6%. No, no, no. Uh, I'm talking about of your student loan. So your student loan uh, interest is cost, a what's 4% that? 4% interest. Per percentage. I see. Okay. 4%. Um, so, gotcha. So, you're, if you don't pay, plus you can write off those student loan interest payments, correct? Yeah. So, the effective rate is probably somewhere like 3%. Uh, and in that case, I would probably say contribute to your 401k uh, because that cost is so low, as well as Bernie Sanders, right? Uh, Bernie may not become the candidate, may not even become the president. Uh, if he gets in power or somebody like him down the line, you know, he wants to forgive all student loan debt as well. So from kind of, that's an outside strategic thought. I, I think you should consider now if your student loan interest was eight, nine, 10%, I would probably say pay it down. But because that effectively is so low, 3% or so, uh, I would probably, up your 401k balance before I would pay off that student loan. However, you should also think about refinancing that student loan with such low rates. That's something that, that may be available as well with uh, you know the 10-year down below 1% now. So think about that. Thanks for the call, Carl. This is Invest Talk streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock Pacific time hour and available for free download as a condensed podcast. You can browse by topic at investtalk.com as well. You can also download, rate, and review on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, the fear of this new novel coronavirus is... Certainly damaging economic activity. We've seen many companies uh, reducing travel for their employees. You've seen large conferences and gatherings being canceled or postponed. You see companies or countries around the world even outright banning certain gatherings over, you know, say, 5,000 people. It depends on the country, but some of them are banning those type of uh, activities. And... You see now in Seattle closing 26 schools. Uh, I just saw that there is a one actually in the Bay Area, I believe it's San Francisco, where a student was diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 and now they're shutting down that school and they don't know how many people have been exposed. So clearly this is going to and already has had an economic impact. <clears throat> and the big question is, what is the lasting impact going to be? Now, we're officially approaching the 100,000 diagnosed cases so far. 
Uh, let's look at the current Johns Hopkins update, and it looks to be 97,886. I believe we're somewhere around the neighborhood of 2,700, 2,800 new cases today. So we're going to get to that 100,000 mark tomorrow. Now, they say it's slowing in China. I still don't believe that. I want to see slowing in other countries that I have a little more faith in, right? Now, the good news. Here's the good news. South Korea is aggressively testing, and they have over 6,000 cases there. But what that also means is that the death rate in South Korea is approaching the 0.5% mark, which is still much higher than the flu, but it's not over that 1% uh, death rate that you've seen uh, quoted before. Sometimes I think World Health Organization said 3.6%. The main issue here is that in the United States, we're not testing or we haven't rolled out enough testing yet. There's only 221 diagnosed cases right now, and that's likely going to be over 1,000 within the next week, mainly because testing is going to get better. And I think we'll have a much better understanding of where we're at, say, at the end of the month, when you can roll out tens, if not hundreds of thousands of testing kits. It's here. It's spreading. We know this. It's community spread. Bottom line. There's nothing you can do about it. But what you can do about it is take precautions. And here's the real risk. And, and you know, a lot of people are getting up in arms about this. And everyone's, some people are freaking out. And... It's something to be paying attention to, to be concerned about, but it's not the end of the world either, right? This is something that the main risk is that it overwhelms our hospital system where you have it spreading so fast that the 10 to 15% who do get it, who need hospitalization, they don't have the treatment, right? They don't have enough doctors, not enough nurses, not enough ventilators, not enough equipment to keep them alive, to get them through, get them over it. And that's where the real risk. So the goal here is to slow the spread, likely slow in the summer anyway, but slow the spread so it doesn't overwhelm our hospital system. And that's really what the main issue is here and what we need to try to avoid. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you know that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. So in order to do that, just head over to investtalk.com and take our risk lies risk questionnaire. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Stephen Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Stephen Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Farhan in San Jose. He wants to talk about. Home builders, you looking to buy them or do you own them? I own Toll Brothers, uh, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. I own Toll Brothers, and I'm wondering about building a position in MDC, uh, and if this is a good time, but at, at this stage in the economic cycle, but the interest rates, I'm guessing, would actually support both Toll Brothers and MDC. Uh, I like what you're looking at with MDC. It's probably my favorite home builder out there. The issue here is that yes. Interest rates going down are going to help the housing market in general. It's going to help home builders in general. The problem with home builders, though, is what hurts them 
are layoffs and uh, recession, right? Low interest rates are fantastic if people have jobs and can afford to own a home and pay that mortgage. But nobody's buying a home if they lose their job or if they see people around them losing their jobs, right? And so that's the worry here is that if this is the spark that causes the next recession, which as the days go on, look increasingly likely as you have more schools closing, more closing, more uh, uh, events being canceled, you, you, you see this continuing in the news, it will day after day have an erosion on economic activity. And so as this continues to drag on, you're higher likelihood to have a recession. And that is why these names, MDC, Toll, they're, they're suffering. Uh, not, maybe not to quite the degree as a lot of other sectors of the market, but they're still suffering in general. So if I'm going to own one or the other, I'm absolutely 100% owning MDC over Toll, but it's not an area that I'm going to really push my allocation up higher than it already is. Make sense, Farhan? That does. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Ramiro in Milapitas. He's looking at, let's see, a mutual fund, FZROX, which is Federated Zero Total Market Index. What is this? Hi. Um, so I currently have a Fidelity brokerage account, and I was mm -hmm. actually looking into purchasing uh, VTI. Uh, um, ETF fund, but I see that um, Fidelity Zero Total Market Index fund is is highly similar to that, and I just I have been comparing the the gains and losses, you know, over the past couple of months, and it's kind of similar. Um, I've been, but I've been leaning towards buying FZROX rather than VTI only because, you know. As a Fidelity uh, brokerage uh, account holder, it doesn't charge me any fee. And I understand that it's new, but I mean, I, so far I see like things that are very similar. Uh, would you recommend, so my question is, would you recommend me to go with a more established fund like DTI or, uh, or would you recommend going the other way? Well, do you know, besides looking at just the performance, do you know what the difference okay. Is but VTI is the total stock market index, right? Uh, the yeah. Vanguard total stock market index, and this is the Fidelity Zero total market index. What does the zero mean? Do you is that just zero fees? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it means. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if the the difference here is that you're going to be dealing with an ETF versus a mutual fund. Mutual funds, you're only going to be able to sell at the end of the day. Now the expense ratio on the VTI is only three basis points, so it's very cheap. So you're not getting charged too much. So basically you're saying, do I want that intraday liquidity, right? Because VTI, you can sell middle of the day, begin, whenever you want really is the, when the market's uh, open. Whereas a mutual fund, you're gonna need to, there's a cutoff date tip, or time typically. Uh, a lot of times it's three Eastern, 12 Pacific, uh, each fund is a little bit different in order to trade it for the close of that day. And therefore, and then the close might be one, two, three percent lower if you're trying to get out of it and say the market's sinking or something like that, right? So that's what you're basically paying for here is that liquidity premium. 
in order okay. to avoid that three basis point expense ratio. And to me, I rather have the liquidity. I rather three basis points is nothing in the grand scheme of things. So I rather have the liquidity and own the VTI over FZROX. Thanks for the call, Romero. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at XLE. Well, hi, Justin. Um, yes, I wanted to ask you about which is safer for the dividend, uh, XLE or or X, uh, Exxon? And, uh, um, you know, that's that's XLE very easy. Being... Uh, it's XLE is diversified, right? You're buying Exxon yes. and a bunch of other funds, right? So, or not funds, but stocks. So absolutely, you're going to get more diversification and a safer yield. Right now, XLE is yielding about 5%, whereas Exxon is north of uh, 7% now. So you're going to get a higher yield, but you're also getting more risk because you don't have that diversification, right? So that's probably the easiest answer I've ever given. Absolutely, XLE's dividend is going to be much, much safer because of that diversification. Make sense, John? Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Now, on the next and best talk are some of the world's biggest economies in the brink of recession. There are signs signaling recession as the coronavirus compounds pre-existing weaknesses all over the world. That story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about twenty five minutes left in the show, so get your call in right now. My main talking point today concerns the story that five questions to ask before you refinance your mortgage. Now, I've seen quotes from mortgage bankers of 
rates as low in the twos, right? Two handle for a 30 year mortgage. Uh, the average 30 year mortgage today is about 3.15%, which is still, you know, record lows. Uh, 15 year mortgage, you can get as low as two and three quarters, maybe even lower than that, depending if you how good your broker is. Uh, but there are a lot of homeowners are thinking about refinancing their home and makes sense because the odds are very good that the rates available today are much cheaper than what you're paying currently. But there are some questions you need to answer before you go ahead and do it. First is, do you think rates are going to go even lower? Now, I'm going to say yes, because I think this sticks with us for a while. I think this does cause a recession. I do think the Fed's going to zero percentage rates, and that's not fully priced in quite yet. So I think it's certainly possible to have a 15-year mortgage at two and a half uh, by the end of the summer, maybe even a 30-year mortgage at two and a half percent. I think that's increasingly likely. Now, how do you decide if now is the right time to refinance? Well, first is how long are you going to stay in your home? Typically, you need to stay there for at least five years before the costs of the refinance recoup themselves in interest savings. So if you're looking to move in the next handful of years, it probably makes more sense to just stick with paying the slightly higher rate for a short period of time. Now, if you're in your forever home and you want to be in it for the long haul, maybe even going to a 15-year loan can make sense as well. I just talked about how they're typically about 30-ish uh, basis points difference between a 30-year and a 15-year. Depends on your uh, the, the market environment, depends on your mortgage broker, etc. So that's important. <clears throat> also, you need to save about 50 basis points typically lower than your current one in order to make it make sense. We're talking about the fees that are involved. Remember, when you see the average rate, like I usually go to uh, Mortgage News Daily to see what the average rate is. Well, that's the average. Half are typically higher, half are typically lower. And that also means you need to shop around. You need a comparison shop. And oftentimes, your own current lender will fight even harder to keep you if they know that you're looking to refinance, which I'm sure a lot of them are. Also, if you're paying mortgage insurance, might be a good time to maybe do a refinance in or a cash in where you pay down a little bit the mortgage, maybe a 15% equity, maybe throw in a little bit more to get down to that 20% equity, and then you don't have to pay PMI. So getting rid of that mortgage insurance will can boost your overall savings, even if, you're, even if your current rate is still not 50 basis points higher than the prevailing rates in the market. So that's something uh, to consider. Also, get your financial house in order. One in four mortgage refinance applications are actually denied. The most common reasons are too high debt to income ratio, followed by poor credit. So if you have a lot of other debts, car loans, credit cards, student loans, etc., that can be a big issue. So, Reducing non-mortgage debts certainly 
can help your situation and get you into a lower rate. Now let's get into our Invest Talk Voice Bank. This came in earlier at 888.99 chart. Hi Steve, hi Justin, Matthew here. I just had a question for you guys. Is there any companies or stocks that actually benefit from the coronavirus? I was just wondering maybe like respirator company, something that would actually benefit from the coronavirus. Thank you guys, bye. Yeah, absolutely. Any companies that will that make products who are going to be in higher demand, those will certainly help uh, or, or do well, at least in the short term. Uh, nursing, staffing companies, we're looking at one of those right now. Uh, but also, you know, we picked up Kroger for some accounts a few days ago uh, because people are going to start hoarding things, hoarding tissue paper, toilet paper, canned goods, etc. Campbell Campbell Soup came out and said that they're upgrading their guidance for the quarter because people are buying soup, right? Uh, just in case there's quarantine, mandatory quarantine, they want to quarantine themselves just because they're scared or maybe they are sick, right? And they want to quarantine themselves from the rest of the world. They're going to need, they're not going to be going out to dinner. They're not going to be going uh, really out of the house, So, but they need to eat. So companies that like that are certainly going to benefit but also think of in this interest rate environment with low interest rates bond proxies utilities REITs etc are going to benefit and that doesn't mean you buy every single one or anyone uh, you still have to be judicious you still have to do your homework make sure you're uh, investing in ones that aren't going to get hit by uh, this virus but it's certainly there are certainly opportunities you know we, we talk about we've, I've been talking to listeners and clients uh, pretty much over the past couple weeks talking about the opportunities that are presenting themselves and they are more and more each day you're getting more and more opportunities uh, but you have to really be judicious and make sure you're not overstepping and getting too aggressive uh, in this market let's go to Rohit in Kansas City and looking at General Motors hey, hey Justin thank you for taking my call no problem you want to buy General Motors you own it so uh, I'd like to know your thoughts about General Motors. Um, looks like it's creating like a value opportunity right now. And then potentially it's kind of challenging Tesla in the EV space with the recent news. Uh, what do you think about this? The issue here with GM and even Ford, a lot of the automakers, is they just have a lot of debt. Right. These are businesses that take a lot of fixed infrastructure that have very, very high fixed costs, especially with the United Auto Workers. Right. So if you go into a recession, uh, you go into you know, car sales in China, I think, dropped 80 plus percent in the month of February and uh, January was bad as well. So if you why because people don't care people just want to protect themselves a lot of them are being quarantined uh, by government in China uh, you know that probably won't get to that extreme here in the United States but even a 20 thirty percent drop in auto sales over a handful of months can mean big big problems for companies like GM or Ford so I don't think we're there yet uh, I think those are companies you you buy when there's a true fire sale, and I don't think we're in a fire sale quite yet. I don't mind you looking at it and monitoring it, having on your watch list, but you're gonna need to see capitulation and also a reversal from that, and that would be the buying opportunity, and that likely is gonna be much, much lower from here, because I think the panic, the final push lower on 
fears around this and, and economic slowdown and recession are likely a little bit down the line. Thanks for the call, Rohit. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. We have about 15 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Let's get into what the Fed is likely to do here in the next couple of weeks. On the, what is it, the 16th? No, 18th? 18th, I believe, of this month. We're going to have the next Fed meeting. And they're likely to cut again. Either a quarter point, maybe even a half point once again. And the main reasons behind that are the same reasons that they cut rates on Tuesday. They're trying to boost public confidence, prevent financial conditions from getting worse, and in some ways, cushion the U.S. economy from further downturn. Right? You're going to have downturns overseas, China, Europe especially, South Korea, for example. All those are going to have economic negative economic effects, and that has negative economic effects on us, and we might have direct economic effects, and the Fed is trying to cushion against that. Now, since 1998, the Fed has cut interest rates six other times between the meetings, and each of those moves, the Fed lowered again at its next meeting. So I'm sure it's going to happen again. Futures markets are already pricing that in. That's why you have the 10-year once again dropping today to, what are we, 0.926% to close today. And the two-year treasury yield is now at 0.59%, 0.59%. That's basically saying, hey, the Fed's going to get down there. The Fed's going to cut at least 50 basis points over the next uh, year or two and likely 75 basis points, basically what it's saying. Now, the goal is to contain and mitigate the damage from these forces. And it's likely going to hurt earnings. We're already seeing expectations come down by anywhere from 8 to 10% for the current quarter. And that's going to weigh on the stock market, weigh on the bond market, the corporate bond market. Now, Mr. Powell said that the Fed was prepared for a possible increase in corporate defaults, business failures, and they're trying to figure out ways to mitigate that. Now, one way they could do that is lend directly, buy the bonds of these companies and allow them to refinance, right? If you can borrow money, this is what happened in Europe, and I think the Fed will eventually get here. So go out there and buy corporate bonds. So that could be the next step. So you've seen disruptive supply chains, weaker global economic activity, and it could deepen if policymakers overseas are unable or unwilling to do what they can. Now you have the ECB having their uh, meeting this month as well. They're likely to cut Bank of Canada, cut by half a percentage point already, Bank of Australia, same. And all of this is to lower borrowing costs just across their, our economies. And our cuts to rates are likely to reduce the potential for capital flight in emerging market countries, et cetera. So 
lower borrowing costs in the United States certainly feeds into the rest of the world. Now, in over more than 6,000 trading days since 1997, the 10-year Treasury rate has fallen by a larger magnitude than it did on Tuesday only 25 times. And most of those were during or before a recession hit. So clearly the bond market is pricing in a recession and I'm increasingly starting to believe it. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. We want to grow your wealth. We're going to help you grow your wealth, right? And that's fine. But of course, you need to make the right investment choices. There's always a bit of fear that creeps into your judgment process. And if you're feeling a little fear over the past couple weeks, you need to probably reassess your strategy. So my advice with, to deal with this reality is to define your investment comfort zone and make sure your portfolio is within that range. Right? What's your risk score? What's your portfolio score? Do they line up? Are they in the right neighborhood? We can help you figure that out. Just head over to investtalk.com, use our free online risk analysis tool called Riskalyze and check it out. But for now, I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and with the market volatility, you've got to be sure that your portfolio assets are properly balanced. And on March 20th, Justin Klein will be traveling to San Jose, California to meet with registered listeners to provide no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review consultations. March 20th, San Jose. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Let's go to Gary in San Jose looking at Duke Energy. So I own it and I bought some at 87 and I bought a little bit more at 92. It seems to be going up and down. And um, what do you think? It's about 4% of my portfolio now. Okay, 4% is not too crazy. Uh, I like Duke. I like the utility space. It's not. It's on my watch list for utilities, but it's not one that we actually own. Um, but it is one of the largest out there, $73 billion market cap. It's about 3.8%. And in a market where the 10-year is at 0.926, utilities are looking mighty attractive, right? Those 3.8% yields that are pretty safe, right? Unless they're run poorly, which Duke is not one of them, uh, then I would, I would, I would continue to own it. The bigger question is how much utility exposure do you have in your portfolio, Gary? Um, not much more than that. I mean, that's my biggest utility. Um, maybe 1% more, you know, so not that much. I don't think. Yeah. Then I would hold it. Cause I, I like heavy exposure to, utilities in this market. And if you don't have that much and it's only 4% of your overall portfolio, then I would keep it. And I would be looking for adding to be adding utilities in this market. That's what we're doing for our clients. And we're finding some great opportunities out there, even though they're relatively strong. Like you said, this is giving a lot of volatility. This dipped all the way down to $90 a share just a few days ago. Now we're back at 100. So a lot of volatility, but that gives you opportunity and that's what we're seeing in this market so look for other utility names and i would keep duke energy thanks for the call now we're going into our last break right now so if you want to get your call in you need to do it right now at 888-99-CHART 
It's another busy investor work week. You've got investment and financial questions, and Steve and Justin are ready to give you their unbiased guidance. The Invest Talk phone lines are open, so call now 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sid in Georgia, looking at Booking.com as well as Verizon. Which one do you own, if any, and which ones do you want to buy? Hey, Justin, I don't uh, own either. I'm looking to buy uh, both or either of them. Also, wanted to know if, if these are considered what you would call core holdings. Well, I like both of these names. So you're looking at two of ones that are would be on my, I would say, top 50-ish, 60-ish stocks in the marketplace uh, that that I, I would like to own long-term. And I would say, yes, they, they would be considered core holdings. Verizon, because of its consistency, uh, revenue, and profitability, uh, and booking mainly because of high consistent profitability. You know, they're, they're, Their businesses are very different, and both of them uh, have different cyclicality nature to them. Right? Verizon is going to be very consistent, some cyclicality, but very minimal. Right? Most people are still going to pay their cell phone bills, even in a recession. And maybe they cut down on a little bit of spending, but nothing too dramatic. Whereas booking, you have situations like today where people are stopping their their plans to go on vacation and make trips, and that's going to weigh on booking's results. So I like what you're looking at. Uh, Both are considered core holdings. Verizon is a name that we own for clients, and on dips we continue to, you know, continue to pick up a little bit more each each kind of time, right? Because it does have very strong yield over. Let's see, what do we got? Four point, what are we on Verizon? Four point three percent, which once again, compared to the ten-year Treasury, very attractive. Booking, however, still think there's more fallout. Uh, Fourteen hundred would be a much better support level buying opportunity. That's probably where I would start thinking about it, but I wouldn't start buying it today because of this likely drawn-out process. Thanks for the call, Sid. Let's go to Kyle in Walnut Creek looking at CVI. You own it or you're looking to give it away? I own it, and I'm looking if I want to kind of add more. I'm down pretty heavy on it. Just not yet, to be honest with you. Um, This is a refiner, one of the largest refiners uh, uh, in the country, and it's about a $2.5 billion market cap. Let me look at the debt here to see if this is a name that could potentially go bankrupt. And that's the biggest worry here is that you have a bankruptcy candidate on your hands. No, not too much debt, about a billion dollars in debt uh, outstanding. Their free their cash flow from operations trailing 12 months to 747 million. That's pretty strong. Positive free cash flow, Two point, like I said, $2.5 billion market cap-ish. Uh, so it, that yield of 12% I think is likely too high. Uh, you're probably going to get a cut to that because of the financial results that are likely coming down the pipeline. But let me look at, let me find a support level for you. $20. This is at $24.50 right now. $20 would be an area that I would be much more interested in. And if we get back to 2016 lows of 13, I would really love it then. Uh, so you're, you're likely to see more volatility. You're starting to get into the area where there's uh, very good value, uh, risk versus reward down here. Um, but I wouldn't be adding to it quite yet. I would wait till that $20 mark. Make sense, Kyle? Okay. 
Sounds great. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call. That was CVR Energy. CVI is the symbol. And, you know, this goes back to uh, the energy space in general. You're, you're getting a lot of good values out there. Uh, what you need to f understand is the level of debt and the strength of their assets. Uh, how much lower or oversupply of, uh, of energy is going to affect their business. Some are going to be more than others. Clearly, this is uh, in the refining space, uh, CVR Energy. It's one of the refineries. So and this is called end demand. End demand for refined products. What is that going to look like? Lower production, lower transportation, right? Less people out there taking their kids to school because schools are shut down. Uh, they're working from home, right? Because they don't want to. Uh, some, some companies are asking their employees to work from home. And that's going to reduce end demand. China quarantining millions of people. That reduces end demand. They're talking about 3 million barrels a day. Uh, even though OPEC is going to cut 1 million, it's not going to be enough. So that's kind of what you're dealing with right now in the energy market, which uh, definitely hurts near term. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program, and I will return on Monday. Steve Peasley, and, uh, Steve Peasley will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.